0: Hey, Redemption family, thanks for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you. Be sure to tune in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. at rttnchurch.com. Stand with me wherever you are for the reading of the word of the Lord. And we give honor to the word of God and we're thankful for the word of God today. Anybody thankful for the word of God today? I'm thankful not just for the preaching, I'm thankful for this book. This is the Word of God, and it is food to my soul. It is food to your soul. And today we're going to be strengthened and we're going to be fed by the Word of God. And I want you to go today to the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, the third chapter, and I want to preach today a message on the coming of the Lord. A message that I will call ready or not. Look at somebody near you. Tell them ready or not, ready or not. Yes, ready or not. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse number eleven. Now may our God and Father Himself. And our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way back to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Watch. So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming. Somebody say, the coming the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. He said, I want you to have a blameless heart established in holiness before God at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And we want today to talk about a subject that has not been given much attention But the Lord is pressing on my heart today to preach on living like he's coming back. And we need to hear this message in the house of the Lord today. Father, help me preach. I give you thanks for leading and guiding me through your holy scriptures, Jesus, for speaking to my soul. Would you anoint me today, God, to preach the word And to deliver this, Lord God, with accuracy, with anointing, may a breakthrough happen in the hearts of people. Blinders be ripped off eyes. Let the fog dissipate so that we can see clearly. Let us hear the clarion call of the Master in our spiritual ears, calling us to preparedness in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Oh, yes, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Ready or not. Ready or not. Growing up in, um, in uh, an environment where we had to be creative in order to have fun. Today, we have all of these accoutrements of adolescence, these toys and video games and we have so many ways to have fun now, uh, but we we are not very creative anymore because all of our um, all of our focus for fun as children is on the screen. But growing up in the environment I grew up in, we did not have um, we did not have all of these amazing video games. We we were it was much later in life before we ever got an Atari or a Nintendo. So we were left to our own vices and to our own uh, ways of having fun. One of the things that we used to play growing up was freeze tag. It was my least favorite game because as the, uh, the slow white kid uh, in the community, uh, you spent most of your time frozen. Uh, people would chase you down and touch you and they froze you. And that was my least favorite game. My most favorite game was hide and go seek. Because one thing I could do in hide-and-go-seek is find a place no one could find me. And, and the strategy of hide-and-go-seek is you go and hide and you get in a place no one can find you and the person looking for those who are hiding says, after counting to a certain number, ready or not, here I come. And your adrenaline is pumping and your blood is pumping and you are waiting on them to find you and they never found you. And like my friend TJ, who was my friend growing up one night, We looked for him for three hours and never found him. And we didn't know he had gotten in trouble and went home and he didn't tell anybody he wasn't playing. So all night long we looked for TJ until finally we found out the next morning that he had gone home because he got in trouble. Ready or not, when the person coming to look for the person hiding had counted down and it was time to come looking, they would say, ready or not, here I come. I was preparing for this message today and I was reminded of the of the way that that we felt when when someone was coming to look for us. And it's very different than the way we ought to approach the feeling, knowing that Jesus is coming back. Uh, Growing up, we were a little bit apprehensive when somebody came looking for us, but, but we ought not live in apprehension or fear or worry about the coming of the Lord. In fact, the coming of the Lord is a subject that ought to bring us great joy and great peace. I recognize there are questions that we don't have answers to. I recognize that there are some even theological points about the subject of the coming of the Lord that calls us to avoid the discussion altogether. But I want to tell you that from from Genesis to Revelation and specifically Matthew to Revelation, there is an undeniable fact regarding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is that Jesus who was born of a virgin, ministered in perfection, died a pure and perfect death, rose from the dead, he reminded his disciples on a hillside of Galilee in Acts chapter 1 that he would leave and the angel said, just like he left, he will come again in the same way. It is a fundamental, undeniable tenet of our doctrine that Jesus Christ, is going to come again. And because he's going to come again, it means something about the life that we're living. Now, the book of Thessalonians was written to a church Paul founded during his second missionary journey. If you follow the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, you will discover that on his second missionary journey, there was a voyage that happened. He got in a boat and left from a place called Troas. And he came to a region called Macedonia. And the trip that Paul took to Macedonia itself represented an adjustment in Paul's plans. If you read the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, you will find that Paul is intent on going to Asia. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that the Spirit of God kept him from going to Asia. And we believe that Paul no doubt wondered why is the door to Asia closing? And I want to tell you that when God closed that door for Paul, He opened another door, and he'll do the same for you. If one door has shut in your life, it's not because God's through with you. He's redirecting you to your true purpose. He's redirecting you to a place of productivity and efficiency. When Paul wanted to go to Asia, God wouldn't let him. No doubt, Paul wondered, what's going on? But there in Troas, one night, in the middle of the night, Paul is visited by God in a vision where he sees a man from Macedonia. We call it the Macedonian call. It's where God shows up to to Paul and says... Come over here to Macedonia and help us preach the gospel. And Paul understood this vision to be a visitation from God. And he packed his stuff up in a boat, got in the ship, and made a voyage from Troas, made a one-night pit stop in a place called Samothrace. And from there he said to Neapolis, where he disembarked from his boat, and began a several hundred mile journey of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in a region called Macedonia. Now his first stop in Macedonia was the city of Philippi. There in Philippi, Paul won a successful Dear lady, a successful business lady named Lydia, he won her to the Lord. She became the first convert in the entire continent of Europe. From Philippi, Paul traveled 100 plus miles via Amphipolis and Apollonia to a large capital city named Thessalonica. And it is here at Thessalonica Just as Paul's custom was upon arrival that he went to the synagogue found in Acts chapter 17 verse 12. He went to the synagogue of Macedonia and began to teach the local Jews the gospel of Jesus Christ on that occasion he dialogued with him, them concerning the gospel of Jesus walking them through the Old Testament about how Christ would come and preaching to them about his resurrection and the Bible said in Acts chapter 17 many Jews believed the gospel Paul preached Hellenistic proselytes and wealthy women in the city of Thessalonica got born again and thus the church of Thessalonica Thessalonica was born, but there, their effective ministry called it, caused an upheaval in the city. Jewish leaders in Thessalonica had Paul and his team evicted from the city. Paul had to leave abruptly, and he soon sent a spiritual son, one named Timothy, back to Thessalonica to check on the young church that had been born there. Timothy went into the church and found that the church was in a posture of victory. Wonderful things were happening at the church at Thessalonica and he took the report back to the Apostle Paul and detailed the progress the young Thessalonian church had, had made and he also detailed the theological problems uh, and issues that they were working through. And in return to To Timothy's report to Paul, Paul writes a letter back to the church at Thessalonica and this is where we get the first book of Thessalonians. It is a letter in which Paul praises the progress of the young church and then he secondly addresses the primary theological points that they were wrestling with. Among the most prevalent theological issues that Paul had addressed, he, is, he, he dealt with the issue of the coming of the Lord. Paul spends a considerable amount of time in 1 Thessalonians detailing the eschatological events of end-time things, namely the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ or the day of the Lord. Today's focus is not so much about the rapture and the details of the timing of the second coming. We're going to save that for a series I'm going to do later this year. But today's assignment is the second major point of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. And that is this, how do we live in light of the coming of the Lord? I hope you believe the Lord is coming pray that you believe he could come today. I am concerned with a lack of teaching that there has been a silence in the church reminding us that Jesus Christ is coming. You don't hear it preached no more. Now growing up as a child and even before I was here, I was I am told and i remember the messages that the preachers preached on the coming of the lord and they had spent time in prayer and when they began to preach on the coming of the lord you felt like jesus was going in fact i believe jesus was coming back every sunday night that i lived as a boy i believe jesus was coming back after church was over they preached his return so hot So passionately we lived as if Jesus could come every moment. And I want to tell you right now, I believe with all of my heart we need the message of doing the work of God while we're here. But I want to tell you that there is a need for the church to be reminded that no matter how productive and how successful and how great we have it here, we need to be reminded that the Lord is coming again and we need to be prepared for his arrival. The events that we have experienced in the last several weeks and months, they are not apocalyptic in and of themselves, but they are a reminder that this world in its current state is in need of ultimate reformation and redemption. And while I believe that we in this generation are participating in a in a move of kingdom synergy like never before, I want to tell you this: there is no one on this planet walking in flesh right now that has the authority and the power to redeem and restore the curse and the fallenness of this world. It will take the coming of Jesus to run the business to restore this world and to put it in kingdom order and I say that we ought to do business till he comes but don't forget he is coming ready or not ready or not the Lord is coming and because he's coming our conviction I hope you're convicted that he's coming maybe you've not even heard the Lord will return. Let me be the first to tell you he could come at any moment. You know, it might be good for some of you to put a reminder on your iPhone every morning. Jesus could come today. You need to wake up every morning living like he could come. There are people who will hear this message and will say this is fear-mongering this is somehow unproductive to preach a message on the coming of the Lord we ought to be about winning souls and doing things for God most people who are who are against the message of the coming of, of the Lord are not very evangelistic they're very myopic and me centered it's about their kingdom it's about their way of life it's about thinking that they're going to live for here live here forever friend family foe whoever you are I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is coming at a moment that we do not know. He will come again. And many will mock and scoff, Peter said, and they will say, where is the promise of the Lord's coming? He said he was coming back and here we are 2,000 years later and he still hasn't come. Matthew 25 said, men will begin to take ease and they'll say that the Lord is Waiting in his return, and when they have this attitude, this this at-ease attitude, that is when the Lord will come and he will catch the servant off guard. I know that sounds weird and crazy. It may even it may not even be PC. I know that it's not seeker-friendly, but the fact of the matter is the Lord is coming, and our hearts must be ready for his return turn. And, 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 and when we get to this, this issue of the Lord's coming, we ought to be convicted about it. We ought to be convicted in our heart that the Lord's coming. And if we believe and are convicted that he's coming, the conviction ought to lead to proper conduct. I'm not going to get no help today on this one. But Paul reminds them that there was a certain lifestyle that accompanied those who live in light of the Lord's return. And we will see now from the book of Thessalonians that because we believe he's coming, it causes us to live with a certain kind of conduct. Let me just walk you through this. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. Number one, if you believe the Lord is coming, number one, Paul said, be pure. Oh, here we go. Be pure. Verse 3. God's will is that you live sanctified. This is not my words, this is his words. Set apart for him in holiness, that you keep yourself unpolluted from sexual defilement. Each of us must guard our heart. This is not my words, this is the book. Guard our heart from guard our heart and be sexually pure with holiness and dignity. The word dignity or honor is the Greek word timai, and it literally means to put the right value or price on an object. People of God, lost people, whoever you are, some of us are not living in honor we're not living in sexual dignity we haven't put the right value on our life and on our body we don't know that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and because of that and we don't know who we are we give our body to all kind of immorality and we give our body and our soul to men and to women and and this thing called premarital sex is nothing more than a great trap For, for many of our sons and daughters and, and, and I want to tell you right now unequivocally your temple your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and God doesn't call you to experiment he calls you to holiness and to fall in love with him until he sends the right one and then because you are blessed you experience the blessing of intimacy but what we have running around today in the world is not much about intimacy It's about the lust of the flesh. And you've got to be reminded today, I know this sounds old-fashioned. I know this sounds antiquated. We just need this every now and then. We need to be reminded to keep our vessel in purity and holiness. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. The Lord is coming and the child of God doesn't have time to be shattered far away from the truth. We've turned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to shack up me first and to bed we go. And it's time to turn back to the Lord and to say, God, you sanctified me by the washing of the water of your word. You redeemed me not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with your own precious blood. And because I who I am in God, my body is not a piece of trash for someone else to exploit for their own sexual gain. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I will live every day in in sexual purity so that one day I can see him and please him until that day. Somebody give God praise. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the power. Some of you feel powerless and you feel overcome with sexual impurity but i'm telling you today if you'll ask him he'll wash you cleanse you and deliver you he'll set you free sanctification watch is not just set apart from sanctification is set apart unto if you'll make up your mind you want to be his he'll take you out of that mess bring you freedom and a future he'll erase your past I feel the Lord on me he'll forgive you of everything you've done wrong I want to say it and this takes some kind of whatever to say it but some of you need freedom from previous partners previous people soul ties that the enemy has taken into your life and brought you into i tell you child of god you are free and if the son makes you free you're free indeed get that joker's name out of your facebook get that joker's name out of your phone book god is about to bring you into a place of victory he's about to break the chains of the past the lord is coming and you and i are to live pure and holy lives first john chapter three can you handle this kind of preaching First John chapter 3, verse 2, beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God. And it has not, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we know we see him, we shall be like him. And everyone who has this hope of seeing Jesus purifies himself, even as Christ is pure. I want to say it, I'm moving on. Get rid of the pornography. Get rid of the impure relationships. Get rid of the lust of the flesh. You say, preacher, how am I to do this? There is no three-step process to help you out of this. There's only one step. Turn your heart unto Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen, your hate for sin will not keep you from sinning. It will actually feed your desire to sin. you got to do more than hate sin. you got to fall deeper in love with Jesus. If you fall deeper in love with Jesus, come on, the love in his eyes for you will become more appealing than any lustful thing that, a, that, that an object on this earth can offer. There's something about Jesus that is irresistible. And the people that can't run away from the sin are only those who have not seen the love in the face of our loving Jesus. And if you will look upon his face, he, he, he will draw you away from the things of this world. Close closer to him and you will burn with a white hot faith on the inside until the Lord comes. And that's his desire for you and I. Sexual impurity is a cheap counterfeit for spiritual intimacy. I'm going to say it again. Sexual impurity is a cheap counterfeit for spiritual intimacy. You were created for spiritual intimacy with God and all of this lust and all of the do you understand what kind of society we're living in and what do i sound like today to people who 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 have their eyes have been inundated and it's almost now in the church world as if we just condone it and apologize for the stuff we heard growing up listen i believe look at me i got my jordan's on and my blue jeans and i i i know how to be to look progressive, but the problem is we've gotten more than looking progressive. We've gotten theologically progressive. And now everything that comes down the pipe is accepted. And everything that comes down the pipe is, is okay. And I'm going tell you what we're living in. We're living in a moment of correction where the Lord is correcting the course of a generation that was listening to a bunch of garbage leading it into further bondage. And God said, not my children. My children are children of freedom. My children are ch- children of victory. And this is how we are overcome our faith in Jesus Christ God wants us to walk in freedom not bondage so the first thing that we understand living in light of the Lord's coming is that Paul calls us to be pure everyone say be pure number two Paul calls us to be productive first Thessalonians 4 9 I'm just going to read some scripture to you today But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, indeed, you do so toward all brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, watch, to increase more and more. Verse 11, that you aspire to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business, Jesus, I feel like rewinding that for somebody who thought I was talking to their spouse. Mind your own business and work with your hands that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Now, let me tell you what Paul is doing here in my opinion. Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord but he doesn't want the coming of the Lord to be an excuse for laziness and idleness. Some people that I was raised in, we did things called rapture drills. We believe the Lord could come any moment that we all just start jumping up in the air like this could be the moment and we're leaving the earth, right? Rapture drill, Whoa! everybody jump. The problem is many of us got so rapture minded, we didn't prepare like we might be here a while. Now, I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. We should prepare like God may wait a while and live like he could come today. We should prepare, save, strategize, store, lead. We We should act as if he may decide to wait a while but live like he could come today. This is, this whole thing of being productive, in my opinion, is the balance that we got nervous about during the the second coming of the Lord teachings that we heard so much in the 60s, the 70s, some of the 80s. We, We heard that so much that we got nervous. I really believe that God had to send a teaching of the kingdom to the church because the church had gotten so rapture minded that we stop believing he called us to occupy till he comes some people think since jesus is coming today cast off all preparation for tomorrow cast off all thoughts of legacy for the next generation no that doesn't please the lord we're called to be productive and paul says it this way if you believe the lord is coming and you're living in light of the lord's soon return Mind your own business. This is a revelation for some people. Live a quiet life. Work with your hands so that you lack nothing. Whatever you do, while you're waiting on the Lord, don't get lazy. Lazy people, and I'm not going to get any fan mail over this, and I really don't even need any. Lazy people develop an entitlement spirit. Where you begin to expect a great harvest, ignoring the fact that you have not been laboring in the field with seed. And when you haven't been laboring in the field with hands working and seed being sown, and you just expect somebody to bring you the harvest, that's not the attitude or mentality of a son. That's a slothful servant. And my my concern, I recognize, I recognize we need, and I'm here today preaching on the coming of the Lord. He's coming back. That is not an invitation to a lack of productivity. Your life should be productive. You should be prepared. You should strategize. You should have plans. You should pray over those plans. You should activate those plans, and if he comes today, be living pure enough that you're ready to meet him in the air. The two are not mutually exclusive. We can be waiting on his coming as if he were coming today, living pure and holy lives, and at the same time, be planning, be thinking, how are we going to take the mountains of culture? How are we going to take the mountains of government and entertainment and sports and education and the financial sector? You say, Pastor, are you one or the other? Are you kingdom or are you the coming of the Lord? Ready for this? I'm both. Because both are what the Lord teaches. But He taught us to occupy till he comes. And then he also taught us that he was coming. I want you to live like he's coming today. But I want you to plan and work like he's going to wait a while. Why? So that if he decides to wait, and why would he wait? Why would the Lord wait? Why not just come back now? Second Peter answers the question. There's only one reason. It ain't because we're waiting on the Antichrist and Volkswagen's the size of uh, uh, spiders the size of Volkswagen's and, and the dragon and everything. We're not waiting on any of that. We're waiting on one re- for one reason. We are waiting on the Lord's return. Second Peter said it is the mercy of the lord it's the long suffering of the father he's not willing that anybody perish and go to hell there's only one reason he's waiting only one he wants more people to come into the kingdom which means we've got to be a productive people how can we wake up every morning and waste a day when in that day lives that will come into contact with our life They need to know he's coming, and they need to know he loves them. Well, no one listens to me, friend. I want you to know that Noah preached for a very long time, and the only people who followed him into the boat were his family. Everyone heard. A few followed. Productivity is faithfulness. Build the boat and tell the story and let God take care of the rest. You don't know who may hear what you have to say and decide, you know what, I'm getting on that boat too. Productivity. We need to be productive. We, we ought to be living the kind of life of purity, but we all also ought to be living in productivity. Purity and productivity are a part of people, the lives of people who are looking for the coming of the Lord. We ought to be productive in business. We ought to be productive in harvest of souls. When's the last time we led somebody to Jesus? Well, nobody listens. When's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? Well, that's my preacher's job. You're a hired servant, pastor. You're hired, that's your job, to preach and to tell the story. Well, that's, that's a problem because my Bible never told me that the preacher did all of the witnessing. It told me in Ephesians chapter four that the church needs apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints could walk out into the highway and the byway and the places they work and the places they live and tell the story of the love of Jesus. I am telling you right now, you and I will stand before God one day and he will not say, boy you had a great social media following boy you had your act together you built a great church he will say you were faithful you took what little bit I gave you and you were productive with it you didn't have much but you led people to me you loved them enough to tell them the good news I'm calling on the church right now before you come out of this quarantine recommit your lives to tell the good news of Jesus dear God we've been boxed in and him in and locked up for six weeks. Is anybody ready to witness? Is anybody ready to tell the world how good God is? It's time to be productive. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord in here. We need to be productive. We need to tell the good news. Jesus is the best thing. He's not just a thing, He's the best thing that ever happened to us. Be pure. Be productive. Don't just say the Lord's coming and do nothing with your life. Woo, rapture drill. Let's jump out of here. That's not how it's going to be. When he comes back, will he find faith on earth? Will he find anybody doing the work of the kingdom? We have plans for the future. Three-year plans, five-year plans, 10-year plans. Well, pastor, why would you do that? What if the Lord comes back today? What if he waits because he's still saving people? And at the same time, the tension of the text is, I'll be pure. By the power of his Holy Spirit, I'll live a pure life. And I'll be productive by his grace. I'm not going, you know, one re- Paul tells you one reason why some people are not productive Because they don't know how to mind their own business. They don't know how to mind their own business. You can't be productive in your business if you're so busy looking at everyone else's. And some of us today could save a whole lot of time and be more productive with the time that we have if we just stopped putting our nose in everyone else's business. God wants you and I to be productive he's coming one of the things that i've taught for a number of years when god began to me, began to give me a revelation of the kingdom he said to me i had this phrase and i keep talking about it it's called the crescendo of the kingdom what i believe the bible teaches is that we are participating in kingdom expansion now that will crescendo into the coming of the lord it'll grow I don't believe the light of the church and the light of Jesus shining through the church gets less and less. I believe it gets more and more. I believe the the, the influence of the church is growing. Do you see what's happening in the nations of the earth? Leaders are getting born again. Role models are getting born again. God is saving people on every cultural mountain in society. Why? Because he's taking away all the excuses and giving everyone on planet Earth the opportunity to hear the Gospel. And this crescendo is going to grow, and it's going to crescendo into what I believe is the coming of the Lord, and he will return. And as we await his return, we are pure, we are productive, and finally, number three, we are prepared. Prepared. There's this thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where Paul begins to talk about being prepared. It's actually a principle that is found throughout the entire Word of God. Jesus talked about it in Matthew's Gospel when he began to illustrate a, a marriage that was going to happen. And there were five wives and five foolish virgins. And you know the story. I'm, not going to preach the whole thing, but five, all ten had lamps. Five had oil, five didn't. Those with the oil represent those who were prepared for the journey. Those without the oil remind us you can have a lamp, but if you don't have oil, there'll be no light. God wants us to live prepared lives. We, what makes us prepared, listen, is that we have a knowledge. Knowledge prepares us. We've believed the truth. Because we believe this truth, we're prepared for the future. I want to say this to children of God today. You and I should not be overcome with panic and fear. We are not like the rest of the world. One of the things this COVID thing has revealed is that many Christians don't even have an understanding about their salvation or their future. There've been more people terrified in the church than ever were outside the church. What's happening? Is the Lord coming? What's going on? And Paul tells us, be prepared, watch. You are not children of the dark. This is all in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. You are not children of the dark. You are children of the day and the light. This day should not overtake you as a thief. Now, there will be people on planet Earth who are not prepared for the Lord's coming, not because he didn't love them enough to tell them he was coming, but because they were too busy and too proud and too preoccupied in life to listen to the gospel. We people who are born again by the Spirit of God, listen, we are children of the day, not the children of the night. And Paul reminds us in First Thessalonians chapter five verse four, listen to this, "Brothers and sisters, you are not living in the dark, allowing the day of the Lord to creep up on you as a thief." For you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. I need us to take a praise break right there. We are not children of the night or children. I'm going to do it again. We need to take a praise break right there. We are not children of the night or children of the darkness. We're not like those who are stumbling in the dark. Not knowing where we're going. Children of the day, children of the light, which means that there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation resting on our lives. There's a a grace like those of the tribe of Issachar who understand the times they're living in. We talked about this last week. We're prepared for his coming because we know he's coming and we discern the season. We're prepared. We're not living like those who have No no compass regarding things that are to come in the future. I told you last week, we don't know dates and details, but we do know he's coming. Verse 8, since we belong to the day, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, since we belong to the day, we must stay alert, we must be clear headed. We must put on the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and the helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. For God has not, listened to this, God has not destined us to experience wrath, but to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are people walking this planet today mesmerized by the American dream, chasing things that will evaporate in time, pursuing things that will not last They have no thought of eternity, no thought of the Lord's return. But the church is not supposed to be living like that. We are not children of the night who are sleeping and just just going through life with no purpose, living without being prepared. That's not the testimony of the righteous. We are children of the day. And as I prayed about this message and I was praying, I heard the Lord say to me when I read this portion of Scripture, tell them to snap out of it. Snap out of it! Snap out of the mental, spiritual fog. Jesus, I feel this. Snap out of the fear, the panic, the paranoia. Snap out of this uncontrolled feeling of chaos where we don't know where God is and if we belong to God and is God in trouble and is the kingdom? I'm telling you right now, I've said it three weeks, I'm going to say it again. The church will not go out hiding in a cave when COVID on top and the Antichrist ruling and reigning and, and the Headlines all about how how powerful and hopeless this, this virus is and has made it. No, no, no. The church of Jesus Christ is coming into a season of glory, a season of awakening. A, we're not going to heaven talking about how bad it was, how we barely made it. We are a prepared people walking in the light. And in a moment when the world is filling the chaos, the world is filling the attack of a demonic principality. There's rising up a tribe of people who have a testimony in their soul that Jesus is alive and very well. God is on the throne. The kingdom of God is advancing. We're not returning. We're not retreating. We're not dying. We're not drying up. We're getting ready to multiply, increase. The blessing of the Lord is coming on our lives. My God, stop being afraid. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power, love, and a sound mind authority in the name that is above every other name the name of Jesus still has power power to heal the sick power to raise the dead power to bring freedom to the bound there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. Preach it, preacher. Keep praying in that name. Keep believing in that name. There's power in that name. Demons tremble at that name. That name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. I feel like giving him a praise right now. Somebody praise the name of the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. we got to be ready he's coming ready or not he's coming you've got time to get ready right now you say preacher they used to do this thing years ago scare everybody to death no this ain't about fear this ain't about fear this is about being a good steward of time it's being it's about taking full advantage of the opportunity do you understand how good and gracious our father is He gives you a gift. He gives me a gift. The gift is called today. Everybody watching me in here, there, wherever you are, just say that word with me. Today. You ready for this? That word is a reality. It's a gift. You have it right now. Do you recognize as bad as your today is, there are people who died last night that wish they had the problems you have today. Today's a gift. In fact, the gift of today is that today is the day of salvation. I really believe that there are people who got what I call crisis Christianity in all this COVID thing. They got them a taste of crisis Christianity, crisis Christianity. You got saved because you got scared. Boy, I know how to kill a shout. You got saved. Play, Bron, makes me feel better. You got saved because you got scared and you didn't know what the future holds, so you ran and got crisis Christianity. You ready for me to tell you this? I really don't care why you got saved, I'm just glad you got saved. There's something about Jesus that's far greater and so much better than Christ's Christianity. There's this thing he offers us called relationship where we get to know him. And we get to hear his voice. We get to see his goodness. If somebody watching me right now, you're away from God. You're away from God, and you were raised in church and have run really far away from Jesus. And the Lord's coming, and you've heard it. You don't want to hear it because you've heard it before. Your life isn't going to get any better to you, surrender totally to him. And I want to pray with you right now that you would do that. No matter what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it, I want to pray with anybody who's watching right now who has known him but has run very far away from him or maybe you've never known him in your life. I am telling you, Like Noah told his generation, he was scoffed and mocked and they laughed at him while he built a boat. But they were not laughing when the heavens opened and the rain began to fall. They were warning in the boat, but the hand of God had already shut it. And the good news is, right now the door of the boat is open. Jesus is the door. And it doesn't matter what you've done or how long you've been doing it, how mean and evil you have been. I don't care where you've been and what you've said and what you've even said about God, what you've been smoking, snorting, who you've been sleeping with, what you've been drinking. Ready for this? It just doesn't matter. If right now, while you hear this gospel message being preached, if you say in your heart, I want Jesus to rescue me, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to tell you, this book reminds us that God is not a God of judgment in this thing we have called today. He's not offering judgment to you. He's offering salvation. Today is the day of salvation. So wherever you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me if that's you. Dear God, save me. Rescue me cleanse me come into my heart and be the Lord of my life King Jesus forgive me of all my sins break every yoke of darkness over me oh Lord I give you my life I give you my tomorrow I give you the rest of my days Jesus be the Lord of my life in your name I pray and I take you into my life now Lord Amen. So before I pray for anyone else, I want, if you've just prayed that prayer, I want you to do one of two things. Either message redemption to the nation's church. You can even message me personally, Kevin Wallace on Facebook. You can put in the conversation line there, saved. That's all you got to do. Someone from our team is going to reach out to you Send us a message. Let us know. Just put the word saved. That's all you got to do. If you're watching YouTube, just put saved. We'll reach out to you. I just want you to know that now that you've prayed this prayer, the journey begins and the joy comes and the family of God is going to surround you and we're going to pray for you because we believe God has a plan for your life. You feel like you've wasted some time. we We've got some people in our church that will testify of some days we wasted, but how God's so good and redeemed the time we lost. We've got some people in here that can testify. They all, they feel like they almost let go and God just reached down and rescued them. It's not too late for you. Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. next group of people I want to pray for right now are people who love Jesus and you're saved But you need to get pure. Somebody needs to be pure. Somebody needs to be productive. Somebody needs to get prepared. Snap out of it! The Lord is lifting the fog. It's like you've been living in a fog. No purpose. You're just being led by impulses of the flesh in life. Bad relationship after bad relationship meaningless season after meaningless season, those days are coming to an end for you right now. Today is a day where we are going to recapture the purpose for which God put you on this planet. It's not too late. Hallelujah. It's not too late. All you got to do is say yes to him. I just want you right now, maybe you need to get alone by yourself. Maybe some of you are crying. Maybe some of you are feeling something happen on the inside. There's a weight coming off of you right now. Purity is being restored. Purity is coming back. If you'll just ask him to cleanse you, I just want to come into agreement with you right now. I know we're separated by time and space, but we're not separated by the spirit because the spirit that I feel here is working on you there. And chains of darkness that have bound your soul, soul ties to people in your past. My God, I feel the Holy Spirit breaking chains. Tears are flowing and cleansing is happening right now. You're not going to live another day your life not properly valuing who you are you got to begin to say I know who I am I'm washed in the blood this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit God's getting your body back for you he's bringing it back from every one of those relationships that almost destroyed you I feel the restoring of God I feel the goodness of God being released on your life he's restoring your purity today he's restoring your soul today you were dying on the inside but the the Spirit of the Lord is responding some people in this room right now to start praying in the Holy Ghost there's a moment right now happening people's souls are being restored sexual purity is coming back to your life chains are breaking off bondages and addictions are being broken porn addicts are getting delivered there is hope for you in Jesus today the Lord is coming get your heart ready for his return his coming is coming very soon, and we must be prepared. We must be pure. May the Lord grant you his grace right now. Woo! To live in purity, purity of mind, purity of soul and spirit, reach down. Purity of soul and spirit. Some of you are hopeless. Some of you feel hopeless. I didn't have any of this prepared to say. I'm telling you what I know is happening right now in places all over this, probably this world, but I know this country. People are watching and, and, and you just need freedom and I'm telling you that's what Jesus came for today. I'm preaching on being pure, but I know you and I can't purify ourselves. We need him to come and break the yoke and set us free so that we can love him like we need to love him chains broken now decades of addiction broken now somebody's watching me you've been addicted to porn and you've been going to church and you've been in that shape for a long time years years it's over today If the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. You're going to walk away from that and run to Jesus and never, in your life, never ever find satisfaction in an image on a screen again when you can look into the eyes of our loving Lord and never ever be the same. It ends today. Chains broken. Jesus set every one of them free. People who have lost productivity, lift your hands right now hands have gotten idle, Jesus. Heart has gotten idle. You don't have a plan. You're not preparing. You don't have a strategy. You're just floating through life. You've lost it. There's some people watching me. You used to be a pastor, a preacher, and you feel like because you're not in a church pastoring anymore, you don't have any spiritual identity. I break the lie of the devil off your mind in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't just save you to preach. He saved you to walk in intimacy with him. And if you'll get back to intimacy with him, you'll find out why he saved you in the first place coming back right now. Productivity. You're going to get more done in the next five years than you did in all those years you feel like you wasted. God's going to help you redeem the time. Productivity. Your life is going to count. Some of you are getting ready to get involved with the share department, the outreach department. You're getting ready to be on. You didn't even know it, but you've got the grace of an evangelist on you. It's time to quit waiting on everybody else to do your ministry. You're called to do something none of us can ever do. Now get to it. Snap out of it. Jesus is coming. My God, I don't know if anyone else feels this, but Jesus is coming. He could come today. He could come before we say amen to this service. And if he comes, we'll be ready and living pure lives. And if he decides he wants to wait a while, we got work to get done. So let's get to it. Find somebody near you, say, let's get to it. Let's get to it. No more idleness. No more minding everybody else's business. Get to it. Jesus, you're coming. (laughs) And we want to be ready for your return. Bless our people to know how to live pure lives, awaiting your return and to live productive lives. It is your long suffering that keeps you from coming. And if you're still working on the hearts of men, may we work with you so that they all be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you, we miss you, and we can't wait to see you in May 31st. It's gonna be crazy. You're going to be hearing more information in the next few coming days and weeks. Live ready, church. Live pure lives. Be productive and be prepared. The best is yet to come. We love you, and we'll see you very soon. God bless you.